Check one. Check two. Check three. Hello, and welcome to Comic Book Herald Live. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. Big news day. Big news day in the world of comics today. We're going to talk about all of that and then a little bit about the comics that came out today because I don't know that there's that much to say, but a huge news day in the world of comics. We'll talk about all of it. Again, I'm Dave Eason, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. You can find all my stuff on comicbookherald.com, social at comicbookherald, although who knows these days. It's like what like what social network is going to be here in a year. It's all up in the air, but of course the YouTube live streams and the CBH podcast probably aren't going anywhere. Comicbookherald.com is definitely not going anywhere, right? Like barring just catastrophic financial failure, which, you know, is imminent. But barring that, barring that, we're here to stay, baby. I'm um, seeing here in the comments, the beard is coming in nicely. Thank you. Appreciate hearing that. Um, it's always nice to, to have what you know stated to you uh, and validated. So thank you very much. I, I am feeling a, a, a shave soon, though. I am feeling a shave. Um, when I do a shave, I like, I, I don't know. I don't act like you listen, you got to shave the neck, right? Cause otherwise that gets super itchy. Um, but otherwise I'm going buzz up top, buzz on the beard and then just cycle it all over again and then just cycle it all over again. But I appreciate the feedback. Uh, Kenji says, you know, it's a good comics day. If Dave starts the stream whistling, <laughs> it's, it's a good comics news day. It's definitely a good comics news day. Um, bonus points. If you can get what I was whistling, tricky one today tricky one today. Keep the comments coming. Keep the thoughts here in the live stream. I will try to address as many thoughts and comments and questions as I can. Super Chat is, of course, prioritized. Thanks to those of you who support that way or your support on patreon.com slash comicbookherald. That also helps CBH out a great deal. So, okay, let's start with news. huh? So today on the comic side, when we get to them, there will be mild spoilers. Comics came out today include Sabretooth and the Exiles number five. Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, number two. Invincible Iron Man, number four. Actually the most relevant X-Men book. Not necessarily the best, but the most, like, in the middle, in the thick of where the Destiny of X is going book that came out today was Invincible Iron Man, number four, as written by Fall of X architect Jerry Duggan. Okay, so we're going to talk about those comics, um, and then, uh, you know, I'll just answer some questions. We'll hang. We'll have a good time. But let's start here. The big news today. Jonathan Hickman and Valerio Shidi's mystery project has officially been given a title and a little bit of detail. Hickman and Shidi's new series will dramatically reshape Marvel's pantheon of cosmic beings and the entities behind the very fabric of reality. Now, a lot of people, they ask me, Dave, does it hurt? Does it hurt to be so right? all the time, right? Like, does it, is it hard to bear this weight of prophecy as Dave's to and to get everything so right all the time? And the answer is no, it feels great. <laughs> it feels really good. I'm doing fine. Yeah, I called it, baby. I called this puppy, okay? I said this is going to be a Pantheon, Cosmic Pantheon book. I've said this months ago. I'm pretty sure if you roll the tape, that was like my primary favorite theory the first time I talked about this after this project was announced, and lo and behold, here we are. It's a little worrying, right? Because I think there are kind of two camps of people. You can want to be wholly surprised by what's coming, 
Um, or you can want to know what's coming ahead of time, right? Do you love or hate surprises? And frankly, if you listen to Comic Book Herald, if you listen to me on YouTube and on the podcast here, you're always going to, you're not, you will never be surprised again, right? And I feel a little bad taking that away from people. I do. Um, just as I feel, you know, some, some remorse that I've taken it from myself as these gifts have developed. Uh, but nonetheless, it's just, listen, I couldn't stop it if I tried. I couldn't stop it if I tried. I can't remember the last time I've been wrong. <laughs> I bet you can. <laughs> I can't, personally. Uh, yeah, this, this was exciting because I think this is doing this Cosmic Pantheon mystery book. They're, they're, the PR for this talks, like, like it mentions like three to four times about Jonathan Hickman working out systems for how this Pantheon plays together. It sounds like it's going to be a very detailed framework for, and when we're talking Cosmic Pantheon, like, okay, what does that mean in Marvel Comics? That means eternity, infinity, galactus, the in-betweener, chaos, order. Basically, it means the CV of the OG, the Godfather, Jim Starlin. You know, it's like Jack Kirby, right, of course, and then Jim Starlin. And, like, that's Marvel's Cosmic Pantheon, is their creations and co-creations in the late 60s and then, of course, in the 70s. Um, Hickman is now going to modernize and make a book about that. The wild part about this, as we get going, is if you look at it and you're like, all right, who's the creator who's actually done the most, though, recently, like with any of this stuff? It's Al Ewing. Al Ewing's done a ton of Cosmic Pantheon stuff between the years of 2015 and, like, like last month, basically, right? Like up through 2022. So there's a lot of Ewing stuff to reconcile. That's going to be super interesting. But yeah, the book's going to be called Gods. It's an acronym, G-O-D-S, a la S.H.I.E.L.D., which Hickman did with Dustin Weaver in the early 2010s. Uh, there's a promo video that Marvel released that that has Doctor Strange learning about this new, you know, kind of development from this new character, Wynn, who's going to be kind of seemingly the POV voice on the ground kind of character. Um, it it gives the initial appearance of like, oh, maybe it is a Doctor Strange book. It's not. I, I still don't think it's really going to be that. I think Strange will play a supporting role. I think the promo video does that because it helps to have some familiar face that Marvel Comics fans are going to recognize. Um, but this book is going to, it sounds like it's going to be the, the type of book that I was expecting it to be and hoping it would be cosmic beings and the entities behind the very fabric of reality. That's super exciting. Here's the quote from Hickman from the PR. When I came back to Marvel a few years ago, I wrote two series Bibles. The first was House of X and the other one was Gods. To say that I'm excited to finally be able to share this story with everyone is a massive understatement. Gods takes place in its own special corner of the Marvel U, the intersection of science and magic. And intriguingly, too, he says, this is concepts we've reimagined for a more modern, continuity-driven audience, which feels like a very clear understanding of who the core Marvel audience is at this point in terms of valuing these comics. So I'm excited. It sounds good, of course. Like, it's going to be interesting. We got Ultimate Invasion from Hickman and Brian Hitch coming in the summer, and then in fall 2023, Gods by Hickman and Cheedy. Now, I was unclear from the conversation here um, how long. They're anticipating this series to go. Uh, they called it a series. They didn't say limited series. They didn't say maxi series. Like the the length and duration of this to me is unclear. I think probably best we can hope for is like six to 12 issues would be my expectation. Um, but it should be interesting. It should be interesting. Again, I'm really curious how this is going to play 
with Al Ewing's work since Ultimates. Because, I mean, I'm, I didn't do the math on this, but like, you know, I mentioned, okay, you have Jack Kirby, right? Co-creates, you know, it brings in the actual God pantheon, right? If we're just going to look at it on, on God scale, right? We have Thor, the gods of Asgard. Then we have Hercules, the gods of Olympus. Um, Jack Kirby really develops those things, as well as cosmic entities, of course, like Galactus, like Ego, the living planet, like the Silver Surfer, right? Players like that. Then Jim Starlin in the 70s, right, gives us the Eternals of Titan, sort of, Thanos, Adam Warlock, and his meaning, you know, and, but of course the, the, the big thing is like, you know, oh, and, and Stan, Stanley the Manly and Steve Dicko, right, and Doctor Strange give us eternity, right, that goes all the way back to the 1960s. Um, but then you have Starlin really fluffing out those ideas, gives us the in-betweener, chaos and order, um, a whole bunch of others. A whole bunch of others. And Starlin really owns that up and through the early 90s because that's when the Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity Wars and the Infinity Crusade come back. Obviously, you have cosmic comics since that time. But if you look at, like, the Marvel Cosmic Era from 2006 to 2010, which is primarily driven by Keith Giffen, Andy Lanning, and Doug Abnett, or, no, Dan Abnett, um, Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, War of Kings, Realm of Kings, and then Thanos Imperative, it's not super cosmic pantheon-driven. Okay, um, it is, it's a little more grounded cosmic, which is the worst way to describe that, <laughs> but it's got the Guardians of the Galaxy, of course, at the center of things, Nova at the center of things. You get like the world mind of the Nova Corps, right? Some more advanced sort of intelligences, which I have to think Hickman's going to play with again here on Heroes. Um, but if I'm thinking like, okay, who's the cosmic mastermind post-Starlin? You know, you probably want to go to that core era of Marvel Cosmic Circle Annihilation, but that stuff is not really Cosmic Pantheon stuff. You know, it's Marvel Cosmic, absolutely, but it's not the gods and their story. It's not these these entities and concepts that exist. Um, Dan Slott and, and Mike Allred's Silver Surfer does a lot here, and then Al Ewing takes it and runs with it from basically post-Secret Wars to present day, Definitely the creator who has done the most with this. Definitely the creator who I've connected with the most in terms of their work being the most successful at it. I think Ultimates, the Al Ewing written Ultimates, the first series, is wonderful. Cosmic, uh, just like biggest possible picture Marvel Universe stuff. Ultimates 2, which I don't necessarily like better, but it does the Cosmic Pantheon stuff even bigger and better, I would say. Um, and then the Defenders series that have come out most recently, uh, the most recent being Defenders Beyond. If you have not read, like there's a whole Al Ewing Cosmic Marvel Universe. I think I have a reading order on CBH. If you search for Al Ewing Marvel Universe reading order, check out the CBH guide because you will find a just delight of cosmic wonder. Uh, so the question here is going to be, how heavily does Hickman actually play with those ideas? Or does he want to come in and totally do his new thing? I do hope that there is a healthy amount of respect for what Ewing has done because it's really good. If it wasn't, I wouldn't care, <laughs> you know? Um, and I don't mind, like, listen, I don't want Hickman to come in and be like, I know better than Kirby and Starlin because he doesn't. Um, frankly, uh, I, I don't think Hickman's Thanos holds a candle to Jim Starlin's Thanos. That's not really a knock on him. Nobody's does. Um, so I don't want him to come in like, undo everything, but I think giving these these players systems to play in, trying new things, coming up with new ideas, you can retcon plenty of stuff here. You know, you can change plenty of stuff and have none of us be any the wiser, so long as you keep a core to this. And I think that's something that Hickman's been very good at throughout his Marvel Universe career, which is why 
so many of us like it so much, um, you know, similar with X-Men. I saw somebody asking today, like, oh, does Hickman have a reputation for, you know, respecting modern continuity as opposed to just plowing through it and doing their own thing? And I actually think of them as a creator who's, like, pretty good at that, you know? I definitely think it's a talent. I mean, even if you look at their Fantastic Four run, like, one of the first things they do, which is actually kind of baffling in retrospect, is they heavily reference the, the Mark Miller and Brian Hitch stuff that came right before them. Uh, which now, because that run never gets celebrated, is actually more confusing than not. But, you know, that's somebody who, like, whose ego is not necessarily saying, well, I don't need anything from anyone. You know, I think when they're in the Marvel Universe sandbox, they get the rules. And, uh, and it should lead to cool stuff. So I'm excited about Gods. Uh, I already was, but now that it's confirmed, you know, that, that of course, what I had predicted months ago is, in fact, reality. Is it even a prediction if you're just saying what's going to happen? Is there another word for that? Just like a statement of fact about something to come? <laughs> Let me know what you all think. Uh, I'll read through some comments here as I take a big ol' sip of water. Let's see. Bill asks, were you whistling, whistling Stevie Wonder's Back in Love Again? No, much worse. <laughs> much worse song. Uh, also, did you hear about the layoffs of almost all the Marvel Entertainment higher-ups? Um, I did. We'll talk about that next. Let's see. What else? What else? The promo trailer needed better epic music. I still liked it, though, says Vass. Uh, yeah, the, the promo trailer really sucks. Um, like, listen, no shade on whoever put it together. Did your best, I'm sure. It functions fine. The dialogue's really bad. <laughs> like, if I did not already have tremendous affinity for the works of Jonathan Hickman and wasn't already just hook, line, and sinker in on this book... Watching that, I'd be like, this looks awful. <laughs> I did not think that helped. Did not think that helped at all. Um, Warleon makes point. Stan did 90% of the work on Surfer, unlike the other pantheons who Kirby and the others created. Uh, I mean, not, 90, I don't know. <laughs> not giving Stan 90% credit on anything, controversial. Controversial. Uh, it's a co-creation. Absolutely. It's co-creation with Jack Kirby. His name is on it. Um, and Stan definitely is more, you know, closely tied to the surfer because that's actually the one solo ongoing that he doesn't do with Kirby um, in the 60s, right? That runs primarily with John Buscema. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of Stanley the Manly DNA in surfer, but, like, 90% <laughs> of, of the credit, he's, Stan's gotten plenty of credit. Here's the thing. Love Stanley the Manly and what he's meant for comics, but uh, Stan's credit share, it's fine. It's fine. We don't need to, to augment it more than needed. Who is when, somebody asks. Who knows? Don't know. New character. Fine with that. Let's see. A lot of arguments about who created the surfer. Yeah, I mean, listen, Jack Kirby deserves the lion's share of credit. Let's leave it at that. Um, Tom says, could Win be Wendell Vaughn? It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Get some Quasar in the mixed. Focus on the Quasar in the mist. The Kaiser has a and I'm a blank one. Right? We sing that one a lot. If it is Quasar. I would guess it's... N well, I was going to say I would guess it's not. But, you know, what? nobody's doing anything with Quasar. So maybe you do it. Maybe you do it. I have not played with actually uh, spelling out the God's acronym yet. And I'm not bold enough to do that on mic. Um, I'll have to think about what that might actually stand for. I guess the question here, too, is like, okay, so if God's is an acronym, which... That's how it's being sold. Um, is it going to be positioned as a shield-like organization for mythologies? 
you know, is there going to be like a center and a hub and a secret society a la S.H.I.E.L.D. with Isaac Newton and all the stuff Hickman did there? It's definitely a, a I don't know about a trope, but certainly a style of storytelling that that creator has fallen back to. Um, I, I could would not be surprised if it was like, you know, this is the organization of G.O.D.S. gods. And here's how they've been maintaining and documenting and analyzing and, and doing all the stuff that S.H.I.E.L.D. does, but for the vast cosmic pantheon of Marvel. Also, thank you, Tom, for the super chat donation there. Uh, much, much abbreviated, <laughs> an abbreviated appreciation for your donation. Thank you very much. Uh, Christopher says it's pronounced ski tea. What is ski tea? Ski tea. <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> I don't even know what that's in reference to. I feel like I'm playing Mad Libs. Um, please clarify, and I will happily correct myself. Do, do, do. James says it'll be interesting to see what kind of story thread gods will entail, and if dominions may play a role. Yeah. So like those are those are the things that I'm most excited to see Hickman bring on back the galactic intelligence stuff. Let's bring that back in house. Go ahead and own that again. That would be fantastic. Give me those dominions. Give me those world minds. Give me those galactic intelligences in this book. Super here for it. Would love to see that. Uh, what else would I love to see? Like I mentioned, all the Al Ewing's ultimate stuff. Um, everything that Ewing did specifically with like the different iterations of the Marvel Universe. This idea that Secret Wars marked the ending of the eighth Marvel like cosmos and a firmament or he uses some language specifically um, and that like now we're on the ninth. I love that idea. It's super cool. I would like to see Hickman take that and expand that. Uh, oh, okay. The artist is Valerio Schiti. Thank you. Thank you. That's what we're getting here. Beginning that wrong for years. Apologies to Valerio Schiti. Uh, okay. Thank you very much. All right. We got Green Onion Destruction Society. G-O-D-S. Gods. Could be. I like Green Onions fine, but I don't buy them a lot. So I guess I'd be okay with that. Grand Order of Deities Serving. Sadly, there's no L at the end of that. If we had Grand Order of Deity, Deity Serving Looks, I feel like we, we could sell a little better. Um, all right, keep the gods acronyms coming. These are fun. <laughs> nice job, everybody. Keep those babies coming. I did see a few people, and I've seen it kind of pop in the comments here. Uh, a few people on social were like, oh, does this mean he's done with X-Men? <laughs> like, listen, I know news travels at its own speed, but uh, yeah, he's done with X-Men. <laughs> that happened some time ago. Don't know if you heard about it. This is not going to subtly, silently be an X-Men book. Uh, I, don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, but yeah, it should be cool. It should be good. It's coming in the fall. Get in your God's acronyms as we go. Otherwise, the big bit of news that popped today, and this one is, I guess, less... Well, it's good and bad. Uh, so the good part of the news is Ike Perlmutter was laid off as the chairman of Marvel Comics. Now, if you're like, who is that? Like, fair question. <laughs> but if you follow industry stuff and you kind of know the history of Marvel Comics and they're getting purchased by Disney, um, Ike Perlmutter has owned Marvel Entertainment uh, or co-owned. He's been chairman since, like, the late 90s. Uh, Post-bankruptcy, him and A.V. Arad with Toy Biz, they take over Marvel Entertainment. He's also the chairman who likes, you know, initiated the sale of Marvel to Disney in 2009. Uh, also just like one of, like reportedly like one of the worst people around. Just like, like there are no good stories about Ike Perlmutter, whether it's um, being uh, just a notorious cheapskate, uh, whether it's being a huge, huge, like, like million dollar supporter 
of Donald Trump and uh, like actually at one point serving on the Veterans Affairs Committee, even though he's has no affiliation with military as far as anyone knows, um, has a lot of really just like negative, racist, bigoted commentary that has come out as well, reportedly. Um, a player that you don't see positive stories about, okay? Uh, it is also, just on a fandom side of things, the individual that was so bitter about, you know, Fox not giving the rights back to X-Men that they were the ones pushing for the Inhumans, right? That they were like, well, we need to own that, right? So just like on a direction, on an editorial level, you know, it was pettiness driving that as opposed to any actual, like, story capability. No surprise there. Um, but has been laid off, okay? if Listen, if you find me a good Ike story... <laughs> You found the one. You found the only one. Share it with the wide world because no one has ever seen it before. It's one of those rare instances where, like, seemingly all of the world is on the same page as far as being like, oh, finally, that's a good thing. <laughs> like, like no one agrees about anything, right? Everyone's constantly arguing. There's always two sides. There is no pro-Ike camp. Doesn't exist. <laughs> There's no, like, no, that guy's awesome. Here's why. Nobody saying anything like that. No defenders. So a long time coming, but seemingly a hard thing to do because so ingrained in the, you know, in the, in the, in the Marvel entertainment side of things, the side effect of him being laid off, which is long overdue and I think widely celebrated, is that uh, the report is saying that Disney is noticing some redundancy with Marvel entertainment and that they will be bringing, they will be I guess, like, ending Marvel Entertainment as a line and bringing it within Disney brands. Now, this is concerning, I think. A lot of, it has a lot of folks with, with very outsized reactions to something that is not yet reported very clearly at all. Um, but the general thinking here, or the worry, the fear, is, okay, Marvel Entertainment is going to be subsumed by Marvel Studios, like there can only be one, there's only going to be one Marvel, it's going to be Marvel Studios, and what does that mean for the comics? Are they going to keep publishing comics? Are they going to become just an imprint of Marvel Studios? Are they only, are they going to license their stuff out? Are they only going to publish reprints? What is going to happen to new Marvel comics? That is a forecasting down the road kind of fear, and on one hand, I mean my initial reaction here is, if you've ever been a part of a large organization, they find redundancies <laughs> like four times every 15 minutes. Super common. Super, super common. That doesn't in and of itself mean anything, okay? But the history of media, as it's been widely reported and then sort of externalized and outraged on social media, you have examples like what Warner Bros. has done with HBO right, and the Warner Bros. Discovery merger, and what has that meant for HBO, and them just taking stuff, like, just deleting shows, right, just, like, canceling work willy-nilly, you know, pretty clear negative outcome from a fan perspective, from an entertainment landscape, from the people working on those properties perspective, right, a real negative outcome. Um, another good example, Amazon buys Comixology, and then look where Comixology's at currently, right, it took over a decade, but eventually, Negative things happen. So, like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, no, actually, it's great when a megacorp <laughs> brings these individual specialized entities further under their own grasp, because all the examples I can think of, certainly in recent memory, have ended quite poorly. And then, the, you know, the most direct comp here is definitely Warner Bros. Discovery and DC Comics. Now, I think 
Reports of DC's demise are greatly exaggerated. That said, like restructuring and things led to rounds of layoffs. You know, those are real people, passionate people about comics who lose their jobs. That stuff sucks. You know, that's terrible for the industry. Um, and terrible for those people, of course, first and foremost. Uh, but as far as like what it has meant for DC publishing comics, they still do it. <laughs> sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not, as it has always been, you know? So I, I am definitely not on the bandwagon fear and gloom of, oh my gosh, Marvel's going to stop publishing comics, you know, within a year. I do not believe that. I do not have any reason to believe that. I think that is fear-mongering based on very little information. Um, is it probably true that it makes more sense for Marvel to be more streamlined and have the studios and comics divisions actually in sync in any capacity? Yeah, I mean, it is. I've definitely said for a while, like there, there are areas where that would actually benefit us as fans. You know, for example, we always talk about like, it's weird how they'll publish or they'll, a movie will come out and it'll be like, cool, where do I read the Shuri Black Panther comics coming out? It's like, nope, that doesn't exist. You know, so it's it, there's definitely been a disconnect. Do I want all of Marvel Comics to be reflecting what is happening in the movies? Absolutely not. That doesn't interest me as a fan. Um, but I understand the desire to have these things more closely intertwined. Uh, you know, and I think the other piece of this that we have to consider that I don't really know, but I'm just going to be like, it's a possibility, is this might have been the only way they could fire Ike Perlmutter. Honestly, and it, like, it's not just that like he was a bad guy or he had politics that Bob Iger didn't agree with, right, or these sorts of things. It's not just that. The dude was actively trying to like shake up the board of Disney. Now, if you're Bob Iger and you just came back to your role as head Bob of Disney, that's probably making you pretty mad. You probably want that person to be, to go, but also to be like kind of publicly humiliated, which is what this is. I mean, people at this level, like C-level of business organizations, they don't just get like, generally it's like, oh, there's a restructuring or, oh, they're going elsewhere. They try to sugarcoat the exit. <laughs> Everything coming out today is laid off, laid off, laid off, right? That's that's an insult, I think, when you're at that level. Um, so, and I think that's pretty intentional. So could this whole redundancy reorg, it, there's no reorg, there's no restructure that's actually been reported. That's all just anticipated about what this could mean. And it's probable and it's likely, and you know, I, I do definitely extend some empathy and sympathy towards individuals who may work for these organizations now looking at this being like, you know, now I have job uncertainty. And that's, that's, that can be very anxiety producing, right? Um, but purely on a, what is the news reported today? It's like, they might've just had to do this to get rid of these, you know, piles of garbage at the top of the organization. Um, we don't know. And and people talking about it like they know right now <laughs> definitely don't. Definitely do not. Uh, so that's my, my thoughts on that news. It is big. I mean, it's quite massive, honestly, in terms of the trajectory and and what the next few years will look like for Marvel as a brand, right? Like, forget, like, what's published in the comics for a minute. We're talking about what kind of comics even are published or are are attempted to be created at all with this type of shakeup. And that's a big deal. And that's a big deal. Also, I mean, you know, the owners, chairman of this organization don't change that often. 
it's why it's such a bit like it's been the same thing since the post bankruptcy fight, which was a fight uh, in the late 90s, you know. So, uh, yeah, as to the question, who's getting the job now, though? I mean, I some of it. So, I, I mean, listen, I'm not inside Disney. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Kevin Feige at Marvel Studios has overseen or was reportedly overseeing Marvel Entertainment since at least like what, like 2018, 2019. So, I mean, I think kind of the situation, as I understand it, is like Dan Buckley's still the president. He ultimately reports up to Kevin Feige. And, like, not that much has changed. I mean, it is one of those things, too, where people are like, oh, you could have seen this coming. It's like, yeah, but it's been 14 years, <laughs> you know? It's like, was it an eventuality that was probably going to happen? Yes. Um, but it's like, you know, 15 years later. That's a decent wait period. So, anyway, I don't know that there's really... there's It's big news. Uh, the fallout is definitely going to be months, if not years, in the making. I think about what this ultimately means for Marvel Comics. I, I'm just not that worried. And, like, I think if you've ever listened to Comic Book Herald um, or watched what I do, like, I'm a pretty big fan. <laughs> like, I like these things. Uh, it is important to me that they continue to be published, generally speaking. Uh, but I don't know. Like, if it... I'm not that worried. I'm just not. And I don't I don't think anyone should be until there's further information. Um, this is excluding obviously any possible restructuring that could happen with the business. If you actually like work there or have family that works there, like then, yeah, it's, it's, you know, uncertain times. Uh, but I do, I feel like it's, it quickly went from Ike's out, let's celebrate to, Ooh, secretly the real story here is Disney's taking over Marvel now. And they're really going to force him into the Disney silo. And it's like, to me, that feels like looking for a more, interesting sinister interpretation of events as opposed to just being like no it's just a good thing <laughs> that ike's gone like enjoy that for a minute just for a minute and then see what happens um okay take another sip of water get in your questions get in your thoughts and then we'll talk about the rest of it you know what i will be totally honest here too like marvel publishes way too many comics on a on a print individual comics level they have published way too many comics for too long if an outcome of this is they reduce publishing, that would be a good thing. That would act. It's not good for the amount of creators that get to do the stuff, and I get that, and that sucks. But it, as a fan trying to consume it, as as readers who go to the comic shops and buy them, they publish too many stinking comics. I think it's bad for their business ultimately. I think it would be a smart thing to reduce the line. Um, I'm not losing any sleep if somebody says there's you know less clutter in the Marvel lineup. And, I mean, just selfishly, too. Like, I've read so many at this point, honestly, that, frankly, even if in a year they were like, we're going to pause publication of do Marvel Comics, like, I would kind of enjoy that break. <laughs> honestly, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I would kind of enjoy that break. Like, yeah, sure. I'll read, some, I'll read some great graphic novels for a while, okay? And it'll come back. It'll come back eventually. Uh, but, no, I don't think we're at the death of comics. Um, people, there's nothing people yelling and even reporting about comics love more than the possibility of a death of comic storyline. Um, and that's been true for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Always true. Always a hot seller. Always brings the fans in. Hasn't happened yet. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. All right. Let's get the questions. Let's see. Vass says, how are there too many comic books at Marvel? Um, which ones do you think are excess? Marvel, like, just go to a comic shop and look at the wall of Marvel books. And there are, what, like, 
50 to 60 a month. I haven't done the count in a while. Um, that is way too many. That is way, way flipping too many. Uh, it just not, it's not an effective strategy, I don't think. Find me a comic shop owner who doesn't have a surplus of post-Secret Wars, all-new, all-different, new Avengers Marvel comics right now. Find me that shop owner. You can't do it. Um, I My ideal world of Marvel comics is they publish like 12 to 20 ongoing series. Okay? Um, and then the reality of the, the distribution model right now with something like a Marvel Unlimited Infinity, which is having success, I think at least uh, quality-wise, you don't have to publish everything in print. Like that is a purchase behavior and, and a style of reading that is ingrained in the most obsessive fans, but is in no way a natural way <laughs> to enjoy a story. It's not what most normal people will do. And I am abnormal, right? If you're doing it with me, you are abnormal too. We can enjoy that together. And it's a fun cultural habit that we've picked up. But that is not the primary way to consume story. The primary way to consume story is packaged books, graphic novels, full story. That's why young adult stuff, kids comics, are booming. Because you just buy a book. <laughs> and you read it and you enjoy it. You don't go to the shop and spend $4 on a magazine and have to store it like a nut. None of this makes sense. We just keep doing it. Um, and, and it's just so easy to put them out digital. Like, like some of the best stuff in X-Men right now is the Marvel Unlimited Infinity stuff. The the Zach Thompson, is it Zach Thompson? Yeah, Zach Thompson written uh, Meryl story that just came out. It was really good. Noir, noir styles, a book set in Madripoor. It was good stuff. Um, would it have made any sense to print that? You know, Meryl one through five? You didn't need that. Who's buying that? Just us. <laughs> You don't need that. Uh, so anyway, they publish way too many books. I don't know the numbers in front of me, but it's it's absurd. It's absurd. It's an absurd ask of of folks to pay that much money to try to keep up and to invest that much time and energy. And the quality is not that high. Like you're asking me which one should be let go. It's like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and cherry pick one by one, but you could easily get down. The, my best Marvel comics of the year every year is no more than 10, maybe 12, okay? Like, that's the stuff that I want to see published. And of course, you're going to have excesses. And, and you want to, you do want to have stuff available for a wider swath of audiences, right? It shouldn't just literally be my 10 personal favorites, despite my flawless taste. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, the idea, like, I uh, I could, listen, I am, I am open to the argument, because I've heard it stated the other way so many times. But definitely, I think you're in the minority if you think, actually, they don't publish enough comics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a popular opinion. I'm open to hearing it. All right. Let's see. What do we got? <laughs> I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a call for Jim Shooter to get his shot as the chairman. Big Jim. Please. <laughs> listen, I am more of a Jim Shooter defender than most. Okay. I love the original Secret Wars. I really like his Valiant comic stuff, too. Okay, I am one of the Jim Shooter defenders. Do not even approach him <laughs> about the job as chairman. <laughs> please, please. There's a really, um, I follow now the newsletter by Tom Brevoort, uh, editor at Marvel Comics for decades now. 
and he had a recent newsletter where he shared uh, a letter that Jim Shooter allegedly, although very probably, sent to Marvel staff in the 1980s, like, demanding that they support Secret Wars. And you can tell that it's tongue-in-cheek, but it's, like, the bad kind of tongue-in-cheek where your boss is, like, you know, he's like, makes a joke. He's like, I'm going to kill you. And then he's like, ha just kidding. But seriously, you know, like, it's got that, it's a very uncomfortable tone to the whole thing. But it's also like, dude, I've been supporting Secret Wars my whole life. I followed this letter to a T. <laughs> it's a fun read if you can find it. Okay, let's do this. Let's talk some comics. Um, do, 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 do. Any final thoughts from the Peanut Gallery? What should we call it? From the Heralds. From the Heralds. Okay. Let's answer some comics thoughts. Sabretooth and the Exiles, number five, came out today. This is the end of Sabretooth and the Exiles, uh, although I think not the end of Sabretooth. It was promised as a triptych, so there should be a third part to the Victor Laval series. Never let it be said that Victor Laval didn't do the reading. Never let it be said. Guy here is pulling from 2017 Weapon X number 27. <laughs> Come on, how's that for a continuity pull? Pulling in Sabretooth and his relationship to his no good, very bad son, Graydon Creed. Um, I saw some people in the comments saying this. I do agree. Listen, Sabretooth and the Exiles is not the knockout Stone Cold classic that the first Sabretooth mini was. That said, I like it. It's still enjoyable. I'm glad we have it in the X line. It's still among the head of the pack for Destiny of X stuff. You know, I, I mean, you got your Gillen and Ewing top for me, um, and then you you can make a case for Sabretooth and the Exiles as your number three, I think, from there. Um, it's got, uh, again, it's just got a tone. It's got a specificity. It's also got just cast characters where, you know, the expectations aren't that high and we don't know that much about these characters. You can take this in different directions and do a wild amount of things. Like, for example, just casually having multi -sa multiversal Sabertooths running around. <laughs> I mean, just casually dropping the, the idea here that Grading Creed has been hunting Sabertooths across the multiverse and some of them are now in our multiverse and that they're going to team up with our OG Sabretooth for a coming Sabretooth war? That's awesome. That's so fun. This is a blast, okay? This is the kind of stuff that I want to see in Marvel Comics. It's all here on the page. And then again, you get that mixed in with a data page explaining the history of the Maroons and, and freed slaves and the societies that they built. Like education on top of multiversal Sabretooth wars? Come on. You can't, you literally cannot do better than that. Um, so again, I don't think this mini is, is a knockout quite like the first one was that said, you do see Victor Laval starting to just like have more Marvel comics fun with things. Uh, and that is definitely very enjoyable. It also does what it, what is meant to in this last issue, which is it sets the stage for a hell of a conclusion. Like I, you can't, you can't tell me that I'm not going to be excited and, you know, first one in line for the upcoming, uh, five issue trip tech, whenever that comes out, it's not clear about when that's going to happen. There's not a huge tease other than, you know, Sabretooth and the Exiles will return. Uh, but I imagine it's going to come at some point. And, the, you know, the final page, the final splash page too, is Sabretooth saying somebody's got a birthday coming up. That is a reference <clears throat> to Sabretooth tormenting Wolverine on his birthday every year. Uh, that is a tradition that is established in the Claremont. And is it John Buscema? Sal Buscema? Um, one of them, probably. 
uh, 80s run, okay? Uh, every year, Sabretooth comes and does something horrible, truly, truly heinous on Wolverine's birthday. That's what he's talking about. I mean, we've gone 10 issues of a Sabretooth mini, and Wolverine hasn't been heard from. So you can bet that in the third arc, we're going to see some Wolverine, you know? So that's coming too. Um, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. At a minimum, it's going to be super interesting. And, and I love that. I love that. So this is my favorite comic today for sure. Um, I would definitely recommend, if you haven't read any of this stuff, you know, read read the whole series because it definitely is of a piece. Like if you just read Sabretooth and the Exiles, I don't know that it would hold up that well. You definitely got to read the first five issues of Sabretooth as well, I think. Okay. Uh, but I dug it, generally. I don't know if it's going to go on like my favorite Marvel Comics of the Year kind of list. Um, but it's going to be in contention. It's going to be in contention. We'll see. Let's see, what else today? We have Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, number two today. If you liked the first issue, this is very much a continuation of what it was doing. Um, I was pretty checked out, I'll be honest. It definitely did not do anything new that grabbed me uh, or anything unsurprising, which has kind of been the, the, the outcome of all these Teeny Howard minis. You know, generally there's a premise that I'm kind of interested in, and then it kind of just, uh, kind of floats, <clears throat> kind of just floats downstream, and I like the, the premise of Betsy as Captain Britain and getting the multiversal Captain Britain core involved, you got her relationship with Rachel Summers, which is great, uh, but these books, they, they don't, they, I just don't, I don't know, they don't, they don't work for me, um, in a, like, oh, I gotta read that kind of way, just not that hook by them, that's fine, not for me. Uh, Invincible Iron Man, number four. Okay, like I said, at the, the top of this, this one was pretty relevant for what's going on in the Marvel Universe, and specifically the X-Men Universe. So Jerry Duggan's writing this book. It's going to be, and is already here in this issue, building towards the fall of X, which is the next big X-Men event um, coming up, which Jerry Duggan is going to uh, spearhead. We have here the character Phalong, who Duggan debuted in the pages of their X-Men run. Uh, it kind of re-highlights and reiterates what his grievance is <clears throat> with Tony Stark. Uh, so his grievance calls back to Hickman's Avengers, actually, where the Avengers made it to Mars and could have terraformed and claimed it, and instead they just left. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, Fei Long, this super genius inventor, is bitter that mutants got there first, right? And, and is bitter that humanity in this case, Iron Man didn't claim it. So what he's done is he's taken over Tony Stark's company. As a result, he is very much a part of Orcus as well. Um, I do want to call out, somebody point out that Fei Long's name literally means flying dragon in Chinese mythology, which feels vaguely uncomfortable, I thought. <laughs> it feels like kind of a lazy, lazy interpretation of, of a character here. Um, but it, the weirdest thing to me in this book, so I like... I like that Duggan is making Iron Man an X-Men book. I don't really have a problem with that. Um, Fei Long taking over Stark Industries kind of makes sense. Uh, it was weird to see Fei Long just openly sporting Nimrod at the New York Stock Exchange. Like, that was weird. He's got Nimrod and Dr. Stasis with him at the New York Stock Exchange uh, declaring, you know, the new vision for Stark Industries. Now, unlike Sentinels, which... Everyone in the Marvel Universe should have some familiarity with. I guess maybe nobody actually knows what a Nimrod is, really. You know, certainly not in any public scale the way that we do, having read a bunch of X-Men comics. 
Um, and I guess Orcus's profile should be pretty high right now. You know, they should be pretty well regarded because they did show up at the end of Judgment Day as like a helping hand, you know? But I, I have not seen that really developed with any care in any of the comics that I'm reading. So all of that just felt like, oh, so we're just we're just doing that? <laughs> like, is that is that right? Like people I guess maybe at the end of Judgment Day, people were they like selling Nimrod plushies? Am I making that up? So maybe that's the work that was done. It just feels like there's there should be a few more scenes. A few more scenes, you know, maybe where we we share how that development is going. Um, why that stuff isn't happening in X books, I do not know. I do not know. Uh, for this issue, Tony Stark very publicly fights Faye Long in the middle of the street, threatens him. The one interesting thing that is said here is, you know, Stark's like, oh, so you couldn't beat Krakoa, so you're coming for me. And Faye Long very confidently is like, no, we already beat them. That already happened. Uh, that is definitely alluding to what's to come in the Hellfire Gala. And again, like what I've been saying for a while, Fall of X is going to be Orcus wins. You know, it is going to be the Orcus wins story. And possibly, maybe even preferably, you know, chases Krakoa off of Earth. I think that's what that is what's going to happen. I am seeing here in the chat from Orlean, uh, remember, kids have Nimrod balloons. Okay, so that was in Judgment Day. But, like, it's been a while since we've seen that stuff built up, I think. I think. Uh, so, all right, get any questions, get any thoughts. Those were today's comics. Let's see. Uh, somebody's asking here, can you do a video of the 15 best Marvel comics of all time? Uh, that's Adrian, and the answer is yes. I have a script about 80% done. That is the next video that I will publish here on the CBH channel, the unimpeachable list of the 15 best Marvel comics of all time. Uh, thank you from nobody except me for the Super Chat support. Really appreciate that. Let's see, Bill says, in today's X-Men Monday, or this week's X-Men Monday, it seems Jerry Duggan has no interest in the Tony Emma marriage plans. <laughs> That's probably because nobody has any interest in the Tony Emma marriage plans. Um, good to hear that confirmed. I So Emma Frost shows up at the end of this comic, and Tony Stark goes to her and says, like, hey, I got a failing problem. You know, let's get Kirkoa involved. So the next issue has Emma Frost on the cover. So again, it's just going to further and further become an X-Men comic. Uh, Mark Wade in the history of the Marvel Universe wrote a teaser of a bunch of things to come in Marvel Comics. All of them have happened to this point except for the wedding of Tony Stark and Emma Frost. This is the one that will never happen because nobody wants to see it and because I interviewed Mark Wade directly and I asked him, hey, what about the marriage of Tony Stark and Emma Frost? And he said, all right, I'll admit it. That's the one I made up. Let me report it here yet again. That one was made up. I confirmed it firsthand. I don't break any news. That is like the news. That's my that's my breaking news. <laughs> that I get to claim forever and ever. Mark Wade uh, made up the marriage of Tony and Emma. Could somebody come back and do it? Of course. Um, why? Why though? I don't think. I think Duggan has written a pretty nice Emma Frost to date, and I think has interest and respect for that character. And uh, despite whatever issues I may have with various storytelling choices, we seem to be on the same page with that one. I, I, have, no, I have no fears that he's going <laughs> to accidentally marry them off or something. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. James says, Marvel's burned fans with bad ideas too often. I'm jaded. Uh, yes and no. You know, yes and no. Um, there are more... No, there are more bad comics than good comics, but that's not the point. <laughs> there, it's worth celebrating the good ideas more than it is 
the bad ideas, right? I think there's there's plenty of good stuff to be found here. Read those comics. Focus on those ideas. Uh, let's see. I'm seeing a few people mention the Daredevil number nine rules. Uh, I haven't read it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty checked out on the Zdarsky Daredevil post Devil's Reign. Um, I'll probably want to do a catch up at some point, but Devil's Reign kind of just I don't know. It 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 did the thing, and I think this is a Marvel publishing failure where they're like, oh, here's a nice jumping off point. You know, we're going to do an event in the middle of this run, and then we're going to renumber it. And for me, that was just like my cue to exit. And I loved the the first chunk of that run with Zdarsky and Marco Chicato. It was one of my favorite Marvel comics from 2018 to 2021. Devil's Reign was fine. It was okay. Uh, but yeah, so no, I haven't read it. I mean, I haven't read it in months, that book, frankly. Um, again, not because I even know that it's bad, but just like, I was like, oh, okay, that's my cue to take a break. Um, I'll come back. I'll do a binge at some point. I want to check it out. I, I definitely will do that binge. Uh, I do also feel like, you know, Zdarsky doing Daredevil and Batman at the same time. I just feel like nobody should do that. <laughs> like, like that should be outlawed. I don't think I should be it, like, listen, give Chip all the opportunities in the world has absolutely proven themselves as a writer and, and deserves those opportunities. Um, but it just, I don't, it just feels wrong. It just feels wrong. And it's kind of hard to imagine that a creator can like genuinely sustain both franchises in meaningful, interesting ways that are different enough. But I say that as somebody who's not keeping up and I should be, I should be. Okay. Uh, Kenji asks, what do you think is to come with that Greg Capullo tease of Wolverine? Yeah, that was interesting. The, uh, the long rumored Greg Capullo return, uh, to Marvel was given a little bit of fuel with a, an image of Wolverine's claws. Um, I don't know if it's been confirmed that it's Donny Cates with Capullo, if that's what's happening or not. Um, maybe that was just theorized. I mean, it'd be really cool to see Capullo take over the Wolverine like series Writer, artist, do both. I don't care. Um, I, I would guess it's probably a limited series or some sort of graphic novel, just given the creator's kind of value and stamp standing. You know, it's, it's a little harder to imagine them taking over like a long ongoing run at this point. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Love Greg, Greg Capillo's art. That'll be cool. Let's see what other questions you got. Um, there's no sense of sinister today. So we'll be back next week with Immortal Axeman number three to continue Sins of Sinister. Let's see. Have you been keeping up with Jason Aaron's Punisher? I have not read a single issue. Uh, it's not protest. I just haven't read it. Um, I Listen, Aaron's Avengers definitely like like put him on the back burner of my will I read anything they do pile. For sure. Um... It's going to take a while to get over that. <laughs> that Avengers run is so bad. Uh, I'm curious what the Punisher might look like, but I'm also not a huge Punisher fan. Just like full stop. So it's it's not high on my list to catch up on. Let's see. All right. All right. I think we did it. Covered all the comics. Talked about all the news. Talked about Marvel Comics. Listen, if this is the end of Marvel Comics... Um, and I have to come back next week and tell you all about all the great comics I'm reading other places. I will do that. I will do that for you. Uh, I, I would recommend you check out comicbookherald.com, of course. Follow me on social, YouTube, all those places as comicbookherald. Um, sign up for the comicbookherald newsletter because that's where I'm doing reading recs right now. Every week I do at least two graphic novels that I've read that week and write about them. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash comic to support that, or you can find a link to subscribe to the newsletter on in the CBH navigation on comic Um, 
Uh, I'm reading a book right now called Ashes by Alvaro Ortiz. came out in 2013 in Spain, I think. Um, but this is the American or U.S. debut. And uh, it rules. It's so good. It's definitely going to be one of my favorite comics of the year. I'm, I'm slowly working through the best comics of 2023 here as we approach April. And I feel like I'm late. <laughs> I mean, the trick for CBH is I try to keep a running tally of the best of the year. You know, it is silly, of course, to publish a best of 2023 list this early. Um, but I like to get it out there because then I keep a running tally and I update and change stuff as I go. Right now, I basically got like five or six. But definitely, you know, as you're listening to these streams and as we're conversing in other places online, let me know what your favorites of the year are because I am actively seeking what is the best of the best. I really don't have any Marvel stuff that's really in consideration. Um, Part of that is because Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red are on this Sins of Sinister hiatus of sorts. You know, I think once those books get rolling again and we kind of get a sense of like what Gillen and Ewing have done throughout the year... it's very likely one of them makes the list. Um, I need to catch up on Ryan North's Fantastic Four. You know, that feels like it has potential. But I don't know. Is it? Is it? I mean, it's early. But I mean, otherwise, it does just kind of feel like like the top, the top of Marvel Comics right now feels a bit thin. Doesn't it? You know, am I wrong there? Like with the Mortal Hulk ending, and you had the Coats Black Panther stuff and the Zdarsky Chiquetto Daredevil firing on all cylinders. And I just said I'm not reading it, right? So what do I know? But, um, and then the Gillen Ewing X-Men stuff, you know, is definitely going to come back. But it's just like, what's the what's the top? What's the go-to right now at Marvel? You know? It just felt a lot easier. Um, <laughs> Warlian points out, part of that is because you don't read most Marvel comics. That's fair. That's very fair right now. <laughs> I mean, I think part of that too, though, is like, I will make more of an effort because otherwise, you know, what I'll do is mid-year, I'll binge a bunch of these and get a feel for like, okay, what's going to be my favorite of Marvel Comics and I'll publish that article, you know? Um, But right now I don't feel a lot of like chatter. I'm not not hearing a lot of people being like, oh, these are the Marvel books that are must reads right now. And there's not, it's it's an inflection point, I think, in a, a lot of creators and a lot of turnover on like new titles and kind of new takeovers where it's, there's just not that obvious, like, oh, this thing's been running for four years and it's been great that whole time. This is, of course, one of the number ones. I mean, truly, like, come in and name them right now. What are they? What are the books? Let's go down the list. You know? Randall here says, uh, X-Men's doing the best. Daredevil, Punisher, and Venom are really great. I do not like this Venom run. I have not been in on that, um, so I know that one's not going to do it for me. Daredevil and Punisher, I'll give a chance. Uh, I'd be surprised by Punisher, but I'll give it a chance. It has four I do want to check out, for sure. Um, I mean, X-Men, like, what would you put as the best X-Men book right now? I think it's probably Storm and the Brotherhood, right? You know, for me at least. It's the Ewing stuff. I don't think anything else is really in the conversation. So anyway, I, I mean, that's something to to not be, I don't want to be too vocal about. Oh, you know what? I did enjoy the Captain America stuff, um, Symbol of Truth, and... Uh, Sentinel Liberty. That was going pretty well. Jed McKay's Moon Knight is always good. So that that's a continuation, I think. Um, those are good comics. I can't argue with that. But but again, those are good comics. Like, are, are we if we're holding those up as the best of the best right now, that's not a super powerful top. And we'll end it there with super powerful tops. Thanks, everybody, for listening. 
I'll see you next week. Enjoy the comics.